Hey everyone, welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. Today's interview is with Mr. Sean Crowley of the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. Sean Crowley has worked across the design spectrum in film, opera, theater, and television. He has been Wales' most prolific theater designer over the past 11 years, designing over 150 productions for companies across Wales, the UK, and Europe. Sean became head of design at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama in 1999 and is also the college's director of drama. Sean is the chair of the Society of British Theatre Designers and was project leader for World Stage Design held at the college in September 2013. He has been a member of the Lindbury Prize Committee since 2002 and was chair of the Association of Theatre Design Courses UK for nine years. In 2007, Sean was project leader and co-designer for the Prague Quadrennial Cinofest, an international festival of design and performance attracting some 30,000 visitors with over 5,000 active participants. Sean was made an honorary fellow of the college in July 2007 and was appointed as an associate director at the Torch Theater in 2010. In March 2011, he was the exhibition designer for the Society of British Theater Designers National Exhibition, Transformation and Revelation. As the project leader for World Stage Design 2013, he helped bring 13,000 exhibitors, practitioners, and visitors to Cardiff. In 2018, he also helped coordinate Oystad's 50th anniversary celebration held at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. This episode was recorded live at USITT 2019 on the floor of the Expo. Sean is definitely one of the good guys, and if you ever get the opportunity to meet him, you'll be better for it. Thank you, Sean, for being so gracious with your time and making the time to chat. Without further ado, Mr. Sean Crowley. Hello and good afternoon, or good morning. We are here live on the floor of USITT's 2019 Conference and Expo, and sitting next to me, to my right, is Mr. Sean Crowley. Please introduce yourself, sir. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm the Director of Drama at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. Um, I'm also a member of the Executive Commission of EC, um, the EC of Oystad. Um, I'm a designer uh, and an educator, and I've been involved in creating some of the larger events that Oystad have made over the last 12 years. And currently we are both a little under the weather from uh, not only travel but the week's events. Travel, week's events and probably a little bit too much bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't come all this way to Kentucky and not maybe try a little. No, you've got to. I I felt it was an obligation that I had to undertake. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, so one of, the, one of the things I was hoping to kind of capture from you is um, some of your experience and uh, also um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the success of the Oystead 50 event, which um, I learned so much about, um, not only uh, your school, but also I had never heard, I was unfamiliar with Paul Brown. Oh, God, yeah. So um, the Oystead 50 event... It was kind of an honour. I mean, we because we hosted World Stage Design in 2013, and he wanted some way to, to get some sense of that back in our school. I mean, it was such a fantastic thing for our school. 
<clears throat> so to get the opportunity to host the Oystad 50th celebration was, was wonderful, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it combined a number of things, um, both work from the Oystad HQ to create a sort of series of really interesting talks from Oystad members. I mean, they were great those two evenings. Um, and then for us to, to create a number of workshops, but it also coincided <clears throat> very sadly with the, the, the death the previous year of a, a very great friend of mine who I worked for um, 20 years ago, I suppose now, as a design assistant. Um, and he was probably one of the most extraordinary people I'd ever worked with or met. Um, and sadly, in October 2017, he phoned me up and said, did I want to have all the bits and pieces that were lying in his studio because he was going to die. Right. Um, and as it passed, he did die very shortly after that. And so myself and a number of my students uh, were sort of tasked with the, the job of clearing out his studio. Um, and at the same time, Kate Burnett from Nottingham, uh, Trent at that time, sort of tasked herself of, of trying to record that so she set up a number of interviews in the studio uh-huh. with myself and two of his main assistants over the over the, the, the last 20 years essentially um, and it was a sort of forensic look through his work and his studio um, but eventually it led with us shipping it all in a van back to Cardiff um, and it seemed the absolute perfect thing to share with the Oystad celebration, the work of this extraordinary designer. And and uh, having had the opportunity to, to visit it and see it, it was it was stunning. It was stunning. You know, there's very few opportunities where you actually see the representation of genius and that work, even, even like the stuff that would be considered like maybe his working yeah. uh, material, was amazing. It was unbelievable. Also, I think what was wonderful about the presentation was the tangibility of when you set up the a portion of his studio in the what was the main hall down the galleries the gallery yeah yeah. because there there's because you can kind of maybe um feel some of the the spirit that's been imbued in the materials that that he touched or or things like that so it's kind of like you you want to go up and you want to poke at the jars and and pull something off the shelf but in the other you got to pay respect to the fact that even these simple materials brought about all this and just the way he kept them in that oh, kind of yeah. meticulous order i <coughs> i wish i could keep anything in my life that meticulous did you see his accounts books his accounts books uh, so there were ledgers there handwritten ledgers because um, his sister was an accountant she taught him how to keep in his accounts really book. and the detail of each production how much he spent on paint or no, I didn't what he paid his assistants. Well, hope, hopefully, we, we, we can't take the whole thing to Prague. But sure. I think we're, we're going to have like one shelf and the table with some of that work available for people to see again in Prague. Do you... Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, there was... Oh, the, there was that virtual being able to walk around his studio as it stood... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I don't know what, how far, far that's been developed. I'll find out in April, and if that's possible to have that there as well, then that would be a, a wonderful thing, because then you'd actually get the sense of, of walking around that studio with the sample. Yeah, because you, you mentioned um, that uh, even... Because at Cardiff, the, at the school, I mean, the, you had space to kind of put things about and people could interact just, with Just at that time. <laughs> yeah, but... but 
from what you, what I believe people have mentioned in the past, that his actual space was very, very small. Oh God, yeah, tiny, tiny. It's about. I mean, I, I've got a SketchUp model of it. I can't remember something like probably about five and a half meters by three. Oh my gosh! If, if that, and quite low ceiling, and then then there were these nooks and crannies, like little cupboard. I mean, it was essentially an old coal cellar in a. A Georgian house. Oh wow! So the bottom of his house was a coal cellar, and he converted that into his studio. Huh. So uh, the students who had the opportunity to interact with it and see with that, what, what, what do you feel like they got out of it? Well, I mean, the legacy and it's the bits and pieces that my students can continually refer to. Mm-hmm. So the model figures, the chairs, the molds—they've become part of their sort of learning process mm-hmm. and it's exactly what the legacy wanted in a way yeah <clears throat> and his partner had no sentimentality about any of this stuff he didn't he, he said I never I don't understand it I don't know what it's worth it I'm was, not interested it was his life and Paul left it yeah. to the students because that obviously designed students mm-hmm. to see some of that you know those figures and the, the chairs and a lot of the figures were things that I made f- for him when I was an assistant, so they, they have that, that personal thing, you know, I can look at the figures I made for his production of King Arthur, a co-production between Covent Garden and the Bastille Opera, and I made those 20 years ago. And that, must be, that must be pretty neat to be like, there, there's that piece that I actually... Yeah, totally, touched. totally. So, you, so your background originally was, was scenic design or scenography, or how do you want Yeah, I trained in theatre design um, at Wimbledon School of Art. Um, I left and fairly immediately uh, started working as a design assistant to um, what were young and upcoming, but now uh, you know, famously established. So Richard Hudson, Paul Brown, um, Anthony Ward, Mark Thompson, people like that. And I, I worked as a model making assistant for about six, seven years. Um, and then I decided you kind of there's a point where you you just continue doing that and you become a design associate and you become like because I'd started looking after shows going to places like Monte Carlo and I, I took a show out there and, and it was great life in many ways but I, I wanted a design so you have to step back a little bit yeah, at some point yeah you've got to close one pathway and move move to the other side I've always I've always found that some people enjoy being an assistant just because they get to see process or they get or they get involved in such a way it's what, that that becomes their role. And then becoming a designer is, is a really big leap. I've always found it interesting when someone comes out of school and they say, I'm a designer. And it's like, well, let's work from you know, doing some other people's work and learn a process. Yeah, so I think I took, because uh, I stumbled into education, I didn't think I was ever going to be an educator. So I, I came back, I designed for a while in London, then I moved back to Wales and I started designing. And then I became quite prodigious. I was designing, you know, 14 shows a year. And, oh, wow. Yeah, but using assistants. So I started using assistants from the college okay. and started teaching them how to, to make models properly. And that kind of... Uh, and I was starting to design outside of Wales again then. I was... I was spending time away from my family, and just at that time, uh, my predecessor of the Royal West College of Music and Drama phoned me up and said, "Have you ever considered applying for my job when I leave?" And I went, "No, not at all. I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm not a teacher." And she said, "Well, I think you should think about it." And over the course of a year, 
as she approached the time of her retirement, um, the thought started to interest me, actually. Because I'd been working with these young students, and I, they were great, they were technically proficient, but they, they were trained in a drama school, and they just worked on shows, and I'd had an art school background, okay. and I think they needed to have that injected into them a little bit. So what, 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 is, what would be the characteristics that differ art school from drama school? Art school, you don't work with actors and stage management when you train. Well, okay. <laughs> I was thinking, I thought maybe like, the, the the approach of, of line and texture and and how you yeah no no so so that the art school the thing that that is lacking in art school is is that collaborative process working with people from completely different disciplines so as designers you might make your own performance but you're all people of the same essence the thing that absolutely inherently makes an art school training really important is the conceptual process the thinking of ideas and not being uh, frightened about practicalities. Okay. So, so developing design ideas that are right for a text, that have the right artistic solutions, that you're not thinking about how they're built. Um, and that was lacking in drama school training at the time, I felt. They were kind of... First of all, a lot of drama schools were bringing in external designers, professionals, to design the shows. The students worked as assistants and they got the small studio things. So I thought if you could just get rid of that, allow the students to be the designers for everything, and but really spend a first year where they, they, they get taught these incredible skills and then a number of ser you know, significant conceptual challenges. So projects that really really challenge them, but still have them in the second year working alongside stage management and actors as assistants to make productions, that they'd have a much greater sense of how you realise an idea, but they still wouldn't start by thinking how you realise it. So have you found yourself over time surrounding yourself with um, uh, uh, educators, teachers, however you want to call them, that share that same kind of idea or do you find people that I want a slightly different point of view or divergent ideas and that's what there, pushes the school forward yeah I think you, we tend to get the thing that pushes us forward is that within the design department we get the people who have, share the same sort of philosophy as I do mm -hmm. and that's constantly challenged by the stage management department who sometimes and the construction people are massively frustrated by these crazy ideas that these designers are coming up but they in turn find ways to solve the problems so we, the designers pose problems the directors pose problems to the designers the designers pose problems to the people who realize the ideas ah. and through that friction comes the sort of great solutions so it's not about there's an easy thing make it it's about how the hell are we going to actually afford this thing can you find a compromise to your design but it's it's not about making things easy it's about making challenges and challenging all of the creatives to come up with a sort of unified, exciting whole. So the, the building that you're currently in, that, that is a recent building? The facade is. The facade is. So it, it's divided by the gallery. Okay. On one side of the gallery, which is white brick at the moment, used to be brown brick. And the other side is the new building. So we've got two rehearsal studios, um, the Proscenium Arts Theatre, the new foyer and the concert hall are all the new part of the building. Mm -hmm. And they're clad beautifully onto what was a very ugly old sort of 1960s building. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I visited that building for the first time last year 
and it was it was astounding because uh, the big glass uh, the window in the foyer yeah. is just and all that light coming in and just kind of the feeling that you get when you walk in that building you go this feels like a creative a creative place yeah it is a very special atmosphere in there and it's it, it's a it's an art center so it, it, it it's outward facing so when we're not producing work um, we bring in companies to perform so it's it's a sort of good balance so the students can see visiting companies but um the priority is, is our performance schedule. Okay. So there's always a couple of weeks free where something else can come out. But our teaching and performance schedule is still at the heart of what we do. Okay. But we produce 25 shows a year. You know, so. But, but to, change, to change subjects just a little bit, because I, I see your, your posts periodically of uh, frustrations. Um, I need to know a little bit more about Welsh rugby, or is it football that you, that you are it's passionate rugby. about? Rugby. Rugby, okay. Rugby union. Because right around the corner from the, from the school is the, the... The National Stadium, which yeah. is absolutely in the center of the city. <laughs> and, and you've been a, a real go Wales. How are they doing? Uh, oh, they just won the Six Nations. <laughs> They're ranked second in the world behind New Zealand. Really? Yeah. So they beat England, France, Ireland, Scotland and Italy in okay. the tournament. Uh, they haven't lost a game for 14 matches. So they beat South Africa and Australia in the autumn. They beat um, Argentina twice in the summer and also beat South Africa in the summer. Um, so they've had a, a long winning streak uh, that's matched only by New Zealand. So okay. we have the Rugby World Cup in Japan later this year. All right. And they're going into that as second favourites. Now that will probably all change when it comes to the, the actual World Cup as, as all of these things. But for a nation that is fiercely proud of its sport, to, to have beaten England and then to have secured the, the, the it's called the Grand Slam is okay. a fantastic thing and I played rugby until I was 32 really? so as a yeah which was a, I could have you know could have damaged myself severely but it was um, it's a very physical game um, but it was a, a, a wonderful uh, way to release pressure in the midst of everything yeah and I, people were quite interested when I was coming into work with theatrical people when I might come in with a scar across my face <laughs> or bruised eyes. Your, your ears a little yeah, twisted. But fortunately, my ears never went cauliflower and I, I broke my nose, but it, you wouldn't know it. But uh, oh, it's a big nose anyway. But um, no, it was my, both my sons play rugby to a, quite a high standard and uh, my two daughters play netball, which is like, yeah. like basketball. Isn't yeah, we... we, we that, yeah. That's actually popular in uh, in Trinidad. Okay. Only behind uh, cricket and uh, uh, football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the other frustration was. I think Wales beat Trinidad and Tobago in oh, football. Oh, I bet this they week. Did. This week. Oh, they this beat week? them one nil. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Um, but your other frustration tends to be the the train system. Train systems. Great Western Railway is not great. No. It. it let's get it right. I mean, it still is a public train, a public su- transport service in the UK uh, is obviously significantly better than it is in the USA. Oh, uh, absolutely. But it's, it's not compared to the European services. So German trains are always on time. Yeah. French trains. Something about the UK. I mean, trains are stopped by leaves mm-hmm. or a little bit of snow, and then everything just it, falls increasingly apart. they're late, uh, or they've got the wrong carriage look orders or yeah so they because I travel I commute daily on a train so this is bound to be something that yeah something that's an irritant an irritant yeah Yeah. 
So um, if, uh, if people want to be, uh, find, find uh, more information about uh, your school, where would they go? Uh, you'd look for Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama mm-hmm. online. Um, and there's a website there which is just being redeveloped. Um, and that's probably the, the first starting point. And we've done surveys. We've got many, many international students in our college. So we're, we're about 800, but about 100 of those are international. Okay. Um, and that's that's about 500 or 475 music and 300 and whatever, you know, drama. Um, and about 60% of them find us on Google. Okay. So they find us. Uh, we've, we've been ranked in drama four times out of the last six years, the number one training drama school or univers- out of schools and universities sure. in the UK by the Guardian League tables, which is obviously something we're very proud about. And that's based on um, a number of things. But one is a student satisfaction survey. That's a national thing, but also on destinations of employment. So I mean, our stage management students, 100% employment. Uh, design are probably about 95%. <laughs> um, Excellent. And uh, you'll be uh, at the PQ? Yeah, I'm at the, I'm the Prague Quadrennial this time, and I'm leading uh, an internship program. But also we'll be looking after anybody who wants to volunteer and, and come to Prague as a volunteer. If they want to sp- spend two, two to ten days with us, they're more than welcome to be a part of, of a volunteer team that will help support all of the activity across Prague. Excellent. And that can be found on uh, the Prague website? Yeah, there's, okay. there's a call on the Prague website, so on PQ 2019, yeah. yeah. Um, so, well, I appreciate your time. Um, it's always great to talk to you and uh, hear what's going on. I look forward to seeing you not only in Prague, but Berlin and in the future. Yeah, lovely to see you again, Richard. Yes, thank you, thank sir. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Yep. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on this latest episode of the podcast. Remember, this podcast is listener supported, so wherever you get it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This podcast can be found on such platforms as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, we can be reached at archivett24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's A-R-C-H-I-V-E-T-T-24 at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Archiving Technical Theater History. We appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.